Today on Building in Faith with Pastor Ed Jones. Building in Faith. 18 long years, that's a long time to go through all of this. Sin always blinds you. It blinds you to the consequence. It blinds you to its ugliness and evil. But then it binds you. It's cords that hold you. And then it buries you. The wages of sin is death. It buries you. Reaching up high with arms open wide we see You're changing our lives so we can be our hands and There is a reason the Bible correlates sin with leprosy. The effects of both sin and leprosy are very similar. Today, Pastor Ed will be explaining how God commands us to refrain from sin because He loves us and doesn't want us to become blind and dull of heart. You don't know you have leprosy until it's too late. It starts beneath your skin and slowly travels until it begins to cause numbness to your nerves. Sin, likewise, starts secretly from within and dulls your heart to the point of not feeling the Holy Spirit's convictions. Now here's Pastor Ed with today's message entitled, When Divine Discipline Brings Grace. Building in faith. The Israelites said to the Lord, We have sinned. Do with us whatever you think best, but please rescue us now. Then... They got rid of the foreign gods among them and served the Lord. Then God could bear Israel's misery no longer. So God was moved by their repentance and also by their pain. God suffers with his people. And he truly is in pain when he has to discipline his people. A pastor had been praying for a gentleman that had not been in church for a long time. I mean, he got away from the Lord, drifted, and one Sunday, he happened to see him sitting in church with his wife, and he was elated. So he went over to him and said, oh, I'm so glad you're in church. I've been thinking about you, praying for you, and he sort of looked up at the pastor with... Well, he said, just a matter of choice. I said, well, what do you mean? He said, well, either I have to listen to my wife preach to me or you. I chose you. (laughs) Well, we do impact one another. And it's important as believers that we recognize we have an impact on each other's life. He wrote a song that uh, really hasn't been published, but he wrote it in the 1970s. You saved my soul. He had an experience with God. His biographers tell us that uh, he watched Billy Graham. He was really into Pat Robinson on television, or to Pat Roberts. He actually called up the 700 Club. And he made a commitment to the Lord Jesus Christ. He went around for weeks saying, thank you, Jesus. Praise the Lord. And and, and he worshiped God in 
his song that he wrote, You Save My Soul, he talks, or it's said that he talks about his almost suicide in Tokyo. Well, his wife was not happy about his decision. Yoko just didn't want him to follow Christianity. And so she discouraged him and Later on, near the end of his life, he wrote this song. He left serving the Lord. He was no longer serving the Lord. It was only a matter of perhaps weeks or months. And then he wrote this song towards the end of his life. Imagine there's no heaven. It's easy if you try. No hell below us. Above us only sky. Imagine all the people living for today. John Lennon. God knew. The influence of ungodly people upon his people could cripple their faith, could keep them from finishing the race. And so he warned them, don't let the people of the land distract you and and turn you away from the true and living God. Now, uh, Olivia had been raised in a fine Christian home. She was a devout Christian. She married an unsaved man. When she married him, She really thought she perhaps would convert him. They would read the Bible on a regular basis, a daily basis. They prayed together. But eventually her husband took her faith away by his doubts and by his, well, his attitude. They lost a son at a very young age. And then they lost two of their three daughters later on while the daughters were still not that old. And he said to his wife, well, you could lean on your faith. She says, I have no faith to lean on. Uh, You know the novel writer, her husband, by the name of Mark Twain. And he regretted that influence that he had over his wife. What happens oftentimes is people can pull us away from God. And God said to the Israelites, don't intermarry. Be careful of your relationship because faith is not something that you could just easily say, oh, I got faith and I'll never lose it. Remember a man coming up to me and said, oh, I know Christ and and, and I I had a relationship with him. I'll never, ever backslide. And I thought, oh boy, Gary, that's not good to say that. You always have to be very, very careful. Take heed, the Bible says, if you think you stand, you can fall. And what happened now in the life of the people of God, you could see their response to divine discipline and really it can be a path of grace. First, look at the condition they were in. The condition of God's people. They were serving other gods. In Judges 10, 6, it says, again, the Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord. They served the Baals and the Ashtoreths. See, God sees, he knows He's there. And they began to serve not just one other God, but many of the gods. They began to combine the worship of Jehovah with the worship of the people of the lands around them and that they lived among. It was pluralistic in their faith, and it watered down their faith, and eventually they were serving various gods. John, the apostle, said, my little children... Keep yourself from idols. Oh, idols are all around us. It could be pleasure. 
sexual immorality, materialism, uh, anything, you name it. Those idols can be pulling us away from God. We live in a culture that's constantly trying to pull us so that we will worship the idols of our culture. And what happened is you can't serve God and serve idols. Uh, that's what God is saying, simply in the text, because you, you, it says, and because the Israelites forsook the Lord and no longer served him. You, you can't serve both. It's impossible to compromise your faith and think you can have both God and this world. So what God did is they were serving these other gods and one wasn't enough. They just one after one after another after another. You know what God did? He said, okay, if that's what you want, that's what you can have. They were sold to the other gods. If you look at verses seven to eight, God became angry with them. He sold them into the hand of the Philistines and the Ammonites. What happened was this. You want to worship the God of the Ammonites? You want to worship the God of the Philistines? Okay, go ahead. And so what happened is those two nations oppressed them and took control over them. What we worship will control us. And when God sold them over, what it's saying is, okay, you want them? See, God was keeping his hand and protecting them and even watching over them in their times of disobedience. But now he says, okay, if that's what you want, that's what you could have. If you have a car and you sell the car, that new owner could take that car, drive it down a dead-end street, crash it into a wall, and destroy it. And God said, I'm taking my hands off you. If that's what you want, go ahead. And now watch what happens to them. It says, the who that year shattered and crushed them. It's two words. Shattered is used when the Egyptians were defeated by God and their armies were scattered during the Exodus period. He, he shattered them. And the word crushed is used when that woman took the millstone and, and dropped it from the tower and it fell on the head of Abimelech and it crushed him. When we choose to worship the gods of our nation, the gods of the pagan culture around us, they will crush us and they will shatter us. And that's why I think there's so many problems in our nation because we've chosen the, lead, the one and true living God. Now, 18 long years, that's a long time to go through all of this Sin always blinds you. It blinds you to the consequence. It blinds you to its ugliness and evil. But then it binds you. It's cords that hold you. And then it buries you. The wages of sin is death. It buries you. And God was longing for his people to turn back to him. And so he allowed those circumstances in their lives. And so immediately they go back to the liturgy and they have a time of confession. 
in verse 10. You see the confession of God's people, the condition, and then they confess in verse 10. The Israelites cried out to the Lord, we've sinned against you, forsaking our God and serving Baals. But you're going to notice that God doesn't accept this confession. Because confession always must be tied to repentance. You must have those two things. It's not enough to confess our sins. There has to be repentance. Change of mind, change of heart with it. Uh, many people, you could, you could be sincere at the moment, but it involves not just sincerity. It involves your will, your volition. It involves your heart, your mind, your whole total being. Our hearts are extremely deceptive. All of us have a human heart, a sinful heart. And that sinful heart can deceive us. In fact, in the book of Jeremiah, it reads, the human heart is the most deceitful of all things and desperately wicked. Who really knows how bad it is? But I, the Lord, search all hearts and examine secret motives. I give all people their due rewards according to what their actions deserve. Then, in the message translation, it says it so powerfully, the heart is hopelessly dark and deceitful, a puzzle that no one can figure out. But I, God, search the heart and examine the mind. I get to the heart of the human. I get to the root of things. I treat them as they really are, not as they pretend to be. If our confession is superficial, just on the surface, it doesn't move the heart of God, and it doesn't change our circumstance or situation. It has to be genuine. It has to be real. And so God's going to respond by not alleviating their problem, but by correcting them. Now, earlier, God does this in chapter 6, and he sends a prophet. But then later, he himself appears. But in chapter 6, uh, this is... It says, Midian so impoverished the Israelites that they cried to the Lord for help. When the Israelites cried to the Lord because of Midian, he sent them a prophet who said, this is what the Lord says, the God of Israel. He says, I brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. I snatched you from the power of Egypt, from the hand of your oppressors. I drove them from before you and gave you their land. I said to you, I'm the Lord your God. Do not worship the gods of the Amorites in whose land you live. But you've not listened to me. What happens is we seem to go to God with the coinage of religious prayer. And we put it in the slot and we pull the slot and say, okay, God, you got to respond. And we can be trying to manipulate God, whether consciously or unconsciously, by saying, God, if I pray this, I say this, I do this, then you have to do that. No, 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 God looks at the inner motives. He knows our hearts. There are times, many, many times, we don't even know our own hearts. God knows. And so God is speaking to them, and, and what he's saying to them is this. Really, there has to be heartfelt change with a commitment of the will. Imagine with me, a couple. And this couple's having difficulties in their marriage. 
and uh, the one of the spouses goes out and they're unfaithful. And they decide to reconcile. And then the spouse comes back and uh, they're just waiting for the next opportunity and then they're unfaithful again. And then they reconcile again and they're saying, listen, we, we really want to work on this. And then they do it again and again and again and again. How real is the apology? How real is the repentance? That's what Israel was doing with God. And so God was saying, no, you got to determine to change your heart. Many people in mending their ways use a very thin thread. If you're serious about mending your ways, you begin to work at it with your mind, with your heart, with your emotions. You begin to say, Lord, I'm going to follow you and repent. Now, God responds to the superficial confession. God's response to his people. First of all, he does what the prophet had done earlier. He reminds them of all he had done for them. He said, when the Egyptians, the Amorites, the Ammonites, the Philistines, etc., oppressed you, you cried to me, didn't I save you? Roll back the curtains of memory now and then. Show me where you brought me from and where I could have been. Remember, I'm human, and humans forget. So remind me, remind me, dear Lord. God has to remind us again and again what he has done. We so readily forget his mercies. We so readily forget his forgiveness. Oh, you get in the spot, and that credit card is so high. And then you pray, and God sends some extra money your way, and you pay it off. But then the next year, you're in the same spot again. And you cry again. See, God is saying, make a decision to change. Make a decision with all of your heart, with all of your mind. So he reminds them what he had done for them. And he said, don't you remember? I saved you, I delivered you, I helped you, I answered your prayers. And then he reprimands them. He reminds them and he reprimands them. Listen to what he says. For you have forsaken me and served other gods. So I will no longer save you. Wow. That's it. I'm not going to save you anymore. Go and cry to the gods you have chosen. All right, you made money your God. Go ahead, cry to the money. You made pleasure your God. Go cry to pleasure. Whatever you made your God, go ahead, kneel down to it, pray to it, cry to it. See if it will help you now. And so what God was saying is don't be foolish. He's, he's trying to wake them up so that they won't suffer. And he says, let them save you when you are in trouble. When you're in the hospital and they tell you, this is it. Let them save you. Go ahead. Watch what the people do. That rebuke, that reprimand moves them. And so watch how repentance comes about. The repentance of God's people. Repentance that goes below the surface. It's not superficial. It's just not on the top. But it's on the surface. Verses 15 to 16a. But the Israelites said to the Lord, we have sinned. Now remember when Saul said to God, I have sinned. God's 
his repentance wasn't real. When David said it, he meant it. When Saul said it, it was just superficial. And he said, we have sinned. Now it's getting to their heart. Do with us whatever you think. But God, here I am. Here we are. We throw ourselves on your mercy. And then the scripture text goes on to say, please rescue us now. Now what did they do? It was more than just saying a nice prayer. They got rid of the foreign gods among them and served the Lord. I don't know how many of you grew up in a maybe high church. High church, they usually read the... um, different confessionals. Uh, they, they may read the Apostles' Creed. They may read uh, certain confessionals of repentance. And I remember as a kid hearing those, reading those, saying those things, but they didn't have any meaning. They were, they were dead words. God doesn't want dead words. He wants from the depths of our heart a cry to him. And so... What God is doing is he's moving upon them. Repentance means not only a heart broken for sin, it means a heart broken from sin. Broken over sin, but then broken from sin. Those two things are important in the Christian life, in the believer's life. And so they begin to display by their deeds, by their life, by their walk. Now, When it comes to the heart, oh, God is like the father of the prodigal son. He's like that father who waits for the son to return. God doesn't want to send anyone to hell. God doesn't want to see his people attacked by the Philistines or the Amorites or any other oppressive. He doesn't want to see them shattered. He doesn't want to see them crushed. You're the apple of his eye. You're his delight. And so when real repentance comes, look what happens. The people of Israel said to God, repentance that touches God's heart, we have sinned. Do to us whatever you think best, but please get us out of this. Then they cleansed house and the foreign gods and worshiped only God. And God took Israel's trouble to heart. That's the type of father we have. That's the type of God that we serve. A God that is pained when he has to discipline his children. Does suffer along with us. Then they see the mercy of God. I want to ask you, has God been speaking to you lately about anything in your life? In the back of your study notes, there's some questions you can ponder this week. But get before God and say, search me, O God, and know my heart, and see if there be any wicked way in me. So often, we harden our heart, and we simply pray prayers that are surface, that don't get down deep. But God is interested in in deep repentance. He's he's interested in his people not 
veering off to the left or to the right and embracing the idols of our culture. And the idols of the culture to the Israelites were very attractive, even as the idols of our nation and our culture are very attractive. Throughout the history of the nation of Israel, there have been various forms of leadership. From the creator of heaven and earth, to kings, to judges. The book of Judges details the time when God chose judges like Othniel and Deborah to make right ruling in Israel. Join us each day as Pastor Ed shares with us verse by verse from the book of Judges. You've been listening to Building in Faith, the radio ministry of Dr. Edward Jones of Faith Assembly in Poughkeepsie, New York. Now we want to encourage you to log on to buildinginfaithradio.com and spend some time getting to know us. Visiting the website will also help you stay current with what's being broadcasted here on Building in Faith. At the website, you'll find today's message for you to listen to again, download, or even post to your Facebook page to share with your family and friends. Again, that's all available when you log on to buildinginfaithradio.com. Or, if you'd like, you can always give us a call. Our phone number is 845-462-5955. That's 845-462-5955. Well, that's all the time we have for today. In the next edition of Building in Faith, Pastor Ed will continue teaching verse by verse through the Old Testament book of Judges. So be sure to join us. Until then, may God richly bless you. Your word restores.